So what is the goal that you have for your children? What do you want them to grow up and be like? What is the purpose behind your parenting? Because I hear a lot like, well, I'm just trying to raise a kingdom warrior, or I want my kids to grow up and be obedient. And so I want to address that today on this episode of the Calm Christian Parenting Podcast. Welcome. My name is Kirk Martin. I'm founder of Celebrate Calm. You can find us at CelebrateCalm.com. We have a regular podcast called the Calm Parenting Podcast, which you can look up, where I deal with everyday situations and discipline and defiance, and there are well over 100 podcasts there. On the Christian podcast, I'm really addressing very specific issues for uh, people of faith, for Christians. And so the other one is a lot more, uh, is a lot broader, but you'll find a lot more topics there. So check that out. In this episode, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm probably going to irritate you. I don't mean to offend you, but I may, right? And so I want you to know that because I, look, I'm, I'm a little bit older than most of you. Our son is 27. We've been kind of, we, we've worked with a million families. I've got some perspective and I want to share it with you. So let's roll with this. So here's an analogy. In our regular podcasts and our regular programs, we talk about school, helping our kids do well in school. And so I always, always ask parents, like, let's define what you really want. And so a lot of parents will be like, well, I want my child to get good grades and be on the honor roll. And I'm like, that's a good goal. My goal was a little different. Now, partly it's because some of you, like our son, have some learning challenges, even though they're really bright, they're not always academically motivated. And so what I, the definition, how I defined it was, well, I want to raise a curious child who loves to learn. Well, that will take you in some different places and different ways and put a different emphasis on what you're doing your, with your child rather than, well, I just want my child to get good grades, right? See how that works? Because I, I, I don't want to be confined to just getting good grades. You know, just do the work that they're telling you to do, memorize information so you can just get good grades. Well, that's fine. But I'd rather raise a child who is curious, who loves to learn, right? So when we come into our, our Christian walk of what do we want for our kids, I'm going to address these two. One I get because I get invited like, well, we're having this conference on raising kingdom warriors. And my first question is, what does that even mean? Right? And I'm not trying to be offensive here, but Christians, we've got to think, we have all these catchphrases, right? We have a, we have a subculture like just like any other group does, and we just say, throw around words like, well, I just want to raise a kingdom warrior. Well, that sounds awesome, but what does that even mean, right? And my first thought, which probably will offend you, is I feel like at times that a lot of parents are raising their kids to do something or be something that they weren't, right? Like you weren't that effective for the kingdom, or you weren't like that as a kid, so now I'm going to make up for, for my lack of doing whatever I was supposed to do. And I'm going to raise my kids the right way. Even though I'm kind of really messed up, I'm going to raise them the right way and they'll do it. Right? Like that's in there. I felt that myself before. But we have to kind of define that of, of well, I want to have a kingdom warrior. Well, let me step back for a second. So if I were to start over and raise kids again, I would have very dis two distinct goals. One is I would want to make sure that my kids new, 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 in a deep and personal way, the love and mercy of God. 
Because if you really know that, I mean know it, not just read about it, not just use it as a catchphrase like God loves everyone. No, to really understand that mercy and how deep and wide it is, that will transform a person's heart. And that's what we're after. Christians sometimes, we have become moralists, right? Well, we just want morality. We want people to behave well. Well, that's not what Jesus came to do. It was about transforming our hearts, not just behaving well. You know who behaved really well? The religious leaders in Jesus' day, Pharisees and Sadducees, they were very well behaved. They knew the law. They kept the law. And who was the only person that Jesus ever really castigated and yelled at? It wasn't the sinners. It wasn't the people who were broken. It was the religious leaders who kept the law, who were very well behaved, but their hearts weren't right. So my number one goal when I'm raising a child is I want them to know the love and mercy of God. Guess how they're going to know that? Not just by reading scripture, not by being uh, memorizing the catechism and different scripture verses. They're going to know it because of you. How do you treat your child, right? Because you can't walk around always reacting, yelling and screaming and lecturing all the time, right? And, being, and, and, and raising them according to the law and then expect them to really understand grace and mercy, right? And that's, we could stop right there and spend like three hours on that. Look, there's no judgment. There's no guilt and blame in any of this. But many of us were raised by law-based Christian parents in a very legalistic home. And so we knew the law. We knew all the rules, but we didn't know love and mercy, did we? Right? And that will, that will drip out into your parenting. So that's my number one goal. And then the second goal is this. Uh, Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew. Teacher, ask Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, to love God. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm encouraging you, simplify things. It doesn't have to be that hard. We don't do the simple things right, right? So what's the greatest commandment? to love God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So my second goal for my child, after he receives and knows the love of God, I think it will flow from here is, well, to love God, and the implication here is kind of like, well, how do you love God? Well, you love God by loving your neighbor as you do yourself, right? And, and sacrificing for them and putting other people first because that's what God did. We're emulating, if you want to make it really easy, I want my kids to grow up and be like Jesus, not be like Christians, not be like me. I want them to be like Jesus because that's what I'm trying to be like. Does that make sense? Then everything that happens in their lives and in your parenting, those are pretty good goals. I want them to know the love of God and I want them to be just like him. So when we get these words like, I want to address this, like I want to be a kingdom warrior. One, I don't know exactly what that means, exactly. And I doubt that you do either, right? It's this vague thing of like, well, we're in a culture war. Well, I don't like that phrasing so much. One, because Jesus, I've read through the Gospels many times. Jesus didn't command me anywhere to wage a culture war, right? 
And so, and the war, a lot of times Christians, we have this like war, you know, this warrior and wartime analogy. Well, what war also means is that there's an enemy, right? And what we choose to be as Christians, we tend to make our enemy people that disagree with us. People in the world become our enemies that we're against. And Jesus said very specifically that we are to love our enemies, that we are to pray for our enemies, right? We don't do that that well. We don't. And you'll say like, well, our values are under attack. And I'm like, well, sorry to be offensive, but no, duh. Like why? Like, of course they are. We're living in a dark and broken world. Of course, our values are under attack. But we have, this will offend you, we have become as Christians, we become the snowflakes. I know that Christian conservatives like to call liberals and everybody else, oh, they're just snowflakes. We've become the snowflakes. You know why? Because all we ever do now is complain, complain, complain. I can't believe that they would say that. I can't believe that they sing those lyrics. Of course they do. They're broken people. And so what comes out of them is brokenness. And Jesus didn't say walk around castigating them, pointing out how awful they are, right? When he caught the woman caught in adultery is brought before him, right? Did he go on his Facebook page or his blog feed and talk about how how awful it is to commit adultery and do all of these things and castigate the woman? No, he hid his eyes from her is one of the most beautiful things you can ever read in your entire life is to watch what happens when they caught a woman in adultery. They caught her in the act. Notice, by the way, that they didn't bring the guy to her, just the woman, right? Which is instructive as well because Jesus Jesus stands up repeatedly for the vulnerable, for the oppressed, Right? So they bring the woman and she's caught in all of her shame. And to be honest, probably in all the smells of the act that were going on. It was a it was a it, it was not what you how you would want to be brought in front of the God of the universe, right? Just barely pulling on your clothes. And Jesus, and it'll make you cry if you read this with some compassion, he kneels in the dirt. The God of the universe bends his knee. He doesn't point his finger. He bends his knee and with that finger, he draws in the dirt. And what I imagine is going on, he's like, I'm not going to look on your shame. I came to take it away, right? We don't need more of like, see what you're doing is wrong. Do not, she knew what she was doing wrong. Your kids know what they're doing is wrong. We talk about it all the time. There is so much shame heaped on people is what happened to Adam in the garden. It was the shame. And so he felt ashamed and he covered himself up, right? I don't think we need more exposing of people's shame. What they need is to be covered and for someone to have mercy on them and to realize that they're doing this stuff because they're broken. Do you think people in the world are out there just, I know they act haughty sometimes, oh, we're just doing this. Do you think they really believe that? Or do you think that they're so broken and they're just waiting for someone to come along and cover the shame and avert their eyes and have mercy on them when nobody else is? When Jesus meets the woman at the well who's had multiple husbands or boyfriends or whatever it was, 
they block, put on her, take a picture and put it on his Instagram of this woman. No, he read her heart that she'd been looking for love in all the wrong places. And he's like, you're not going to get it there. You're not going to find it in a man, right? Now you're reaching, now you're, and so he uses a great analogy. Jesus wasn't religious. Look, read, please read through. He wasn't religious because we're always like, people always ask us like, well, uh, are all of your teachings from the Bible? I'm like, well, Jesus didn't really address kids who aren't sleeping well, right? Like there's not always, so it's always this, this very narrow thing and everybody puts it in religious language. Jesus didn't speak in religious language. He said, lady, I know what you're looking for because you came to this well to get some water. But what you're really looking for is living water. He used an analogy and he used parables and he talked in the language of normal people because he knew they were hurting and he wanted to reach them. And so, yes, our values are under attack. But what we've done is now we're going to fight back. And Jesus specifically said, no, you don't fight back. You turn the other cheek. And so it's not that you don't ever say anything or you give in, but what are we supposed to do? Wag our fingers at everybody? No. He said, let your light so shine before the world. Let your light shine. You're living in a dark and broken world. You be someone who brings mercy and light to the situation. Let them see something different in you. And then they will see, they will glorify God because they realize this is something different than we've experienced, right? And, and, and I was thinking about this with like our enemies, right? It's culture world war. My biggest enemy is not the world. It is me. The, the biggest obstacle that I have ever faced in my life is not something outside of me. It is what is in me. It is my own pride. It is my own selfishness in everyday situations when I have to sit and I have to lay down my life for my wife or my child or someone else at the grocery store, at the post office, or someone that I'm, uh, uh, when I'm on a long drive, other drivers. They're not my enemy. I am. It's my own selfishness, right? And so if I just spend my time battling myself, I have enough to deal with. And again, read Jesus's words. Don't be so consumed with taking the little speck out of your neighbor's eye. Instead, take the big fat log out of your own eye. Because, and the implication is, you'll, you have so much brokenness inside of you that if you just focus on yourself and working on yourself, it does two things. One is, you get to see your own humanity and your own brokenness. And so when you see it in other people, you have mercy on them because you're having mercy on yourself, realizing I'm just a broken dude. And so, yeah, of course, Cardi B is singing those lyrics. Look where she came from. And instead of just decrying everybody in the rap music and every other country music and everything else, instead I have mercy and say, well, of course they're singing about that. I have my own brokenness, but I've been, I've had God working on me, so I've come a little bit, you know, I've been transformed a little bit. But the other implication is you'll be so busy working on yourself, 
you won't have time to fix other people. And in the course of working on yourself, light will shine from you. So you're removing the darkness from yourself, obviously with God transforming your heart. So you become a different person, right? And so I just encourage you with that. Let's make that our focus, right? Instead of focusing on what everybody else is doing, let's work on our own families. Guys, what could we do differently? How can we be more merciful? And look, at the very end of this, what I was going to tell you is it's not about your lectures. You're going to get your kids to grow up to be like Jesus. It's a lot of, a lot of it's turned by how you act. It's not your lectures. It's not learning the catechism. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're watching you. How do you treat other people at the grocery store? How do you treat other people at church? How do you, how, my Christian conservative friends, how do you talk about liberals? For my liberal Christian friends, how do you talk about Trump supporters? How do you talk about them? That's what your kids hear every day if you're into the political scene and into the culture scene. Well, what I've learned from my parents is that we hate those people and we don't have mercy on them because they're wrong and we have to change them. Is that what your kids are learning about your cultural enemies, no matter which side of the perspective you're on? Or are they seeing you reaching out and listening to people and trying to understand where they come from, seeking first to understand them? I know that's not Jesus, that's Stephen Covey, but it's a great principle anyway, right? And that's pretty much what Jesus did. So it's not about your life. Let them see you live this out. You know what? Let your kids see you wrestling with your own issues. Be vulnerable with them. Let them know, you know what, I really struggle with this because the way that I was raised, I was trained to see people that do this like that, and I'm wrestling with that because I don't think that's how Jesus acted, and I want to be more like Jesus, and, and I want to wrestle with these things and let them see you tipping people well. Let them see people who are serving you. Let them see you serving them instead of being demanding for your waitress and waiter and the person who cleans your room at the hotel. That's what they're watching. That's how we show them. And so I'll close up with this. Of The, the other one we always get is, I've addressed this a little bit, is like, well, I want my child to grow up and be obedient. And sometimes my first thought is, well, that's pretty self-serving, right? I want an obedient child who just listens to authority figures. And by the way, I'm the chief authority figure in his, in his life besides God. And so that works really well if I just have a compliant child. Well, I encourage you again, read through scripture and you'll see that most of the people that God used were not very compliant people. From Jacob to Moses the murderer to uh, King David the adulterer who had uh, Bathsheba's husband killed, uh, Jacob the deceiver, and everybody else, they weren't immediately obedient. And yet we have this idea that it's all about morality and behavior and it's about a changed heart. And so I always ask parents, well, I want to raise a child who's obedient. And I'm like, okay, good. So he's obedient to what? Well, obedient to Jesus. Okay, what does that even mean? And so I gave you the, the, great, the great commandment in the law to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So what I want is for my children to be obedient to Jesus. And Jesus said to love God and to love neighbors as self. So why don't we take that all that vague language of like, I want to raise a kingdom warrior and I want to raise a child who's obedient to, here's my goal. I want to raise a child who loves his neighbor as himself. Would our culture not be different 
if we were just focused on that. Like every day. I'm not doing Christian buzzwords. Look, this is scripture. It's just not a good buzzword, right? Who walks around? Everybody walks around. Kingdom warrior, obedient, and all of our Christian little cliches. Well, this isn't a cliche. It's actual words of Jesus, which is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second commandment, and the first one was love God. Why don't we make it easier on ourselves? And why don't we make it really clear for our kids and ourselves when we wake up every morning, our goal isn't just to memorize scripture verses. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not mocking it. But sometimes we do all those other things and we don't do the first great and second great commandment. So my goal for my child, I want them to love their neighbor as they love themselves. I want them to learn how to lay down their life for other people and have mercy on broken people. And I want them, when we're talking about the culture war, I want to go deeper and say, why do you think those people are struggling? Where do you think they came from? What do you think their background was? Do you think they've really understood the love, the mercy, the compassion of Jesus? Because if they had, do you think they'd still be doing that? Right? Like that, isn't that a better way to frame it and to say our mission is to go and love those people as you want to be loved yourself? We're going to go and love those people so much that it changes their heart, not just their behavior. And we stop being, I'm going to do this to trigger you, maybe we stop being the snowflakes and complaining and being victims of like, oh, the media is against us. Of course, how would you like it if you had uh, been in Jesus' time and right after when the Romans uh, uh, used Christians as a bait for lions, right? I can't believe that they would do, come on, Christians, let's suck it up here. We're supposed to be light and salt in the world. It's not supposed to be like, well, I just want a theocracy where everybody, where the government, the president, and everybody loves God and they just do, when, like when, is that what we were called to do, right? Is that the vision that we're supposed to have? I don't think so. Read through scripture. Look, if you want to look at it in the right way, embrace the dark world. Why? Because light shines more in the midst of darkness. Let's be light. Let's love our neighbors and ourselves. Let's model that for our kids. And you won't have to worry about all the other stuff because your kids' hearts will be changed and they'll be brought to life by watching you in action and seeing other people's lives changed by you and by what you do and how you serve other people. And they will watch at restaurants when you leave an extra good tip for a hurting single mom, perhaps, or when you meet someone that you don't like because they're of the different political persuasion, but you serve them and you bring them a meal and you do something and they and your kids watch how that changes the other people. You don't think that's addictive and your people, your kids will get into that? That's not religion. That's doing what Jesus said. That's what we're after here. So if we can help you in any way. Email us. Email our strong-willed son, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at CelebrateCalm.com. You can email me. It's Kirk, K-I-R-K at CelebrateCalm.com. We'll help you with anything you need. If you're interested in any of our resources and programs, just reach out to us. We'll help you out with it. 
I hope you found that helpful. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.